0: Hello, you're listening to Masterful Librarian Podcast with your host, Marion Royal, helping librarians achieve greater relevance, meaning, and impact in a rapidly changing world. Hello, librarians. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Last week, I was at the hairdresser. It's a super friendly place, uh, new for me, and I was chatting with one of the young women who works there. She is 19 years old. And since I'm a new client, she was asking me what I did for a living. And of course, I said, I'm a librarian. Her response, and I quote, you're awfully nice to be a librarian. And all I could say to that was, That makes me really sad. It turns out that her concept of librarians is that they're, you guessed it, kind of scary and always telling people to be quiet. The frowning shusher, intent on policing behavior and collecting fines. That is her impression. Now, you and I both know that's an outdated stereotype. But the sad truth is that so many people still think the same thing. It's a common idea about librarians. The sadder truth to me, there are still way too many librarians acting at least a little bit like that. In my years of working in libraries, I've seen this many times, and I am sorry to say, was guilty of it in my early days. I thought the library should be a quiet space and that we should teach people, especially children, when I was a school librarian, how to be responsible by holding them accountable for borrowed materials, by charging fines when they were late or lost. But over time, I realized that what I was really doing was just turning kids off to books and libraries, permanently. These are the kids who grew into adults who say things like, you're awfully nice to be a librarian. And then I read a quote by Doug Johnson, the author of the Blue Skunk blog and and a thought leader in school libraries. And it said that the goal of a library is not to get back all the books but all the readers. So how often do we come across to our users, and especially children, as scary or unfriendly because we're so focused on recovering our property? And, you know, honestly, it's not really even ours. Most of our collections are funded by taxpayers. And many libraries have policies that don't allow users, even school children, to check out more books or use in-house computers and online databases because they have overdue fines. Not even lost material charges. Overdue fines. I understand why we do that, but honestly I no longer agree. To me, it seems like a good way to turn the public off to libraries, which ultimately jeopardizes our collections even more. Now, I understand that in some municipalities, in some states, it is potentially against the law or a violation of statute to not charge fines. I also know that in places around this country, librarians and their advocates have worked hard and gotten those laws changed and have eliminated fines. There are too many to mention, but New York Public Library is one of the most recent. The truth is, we don't know why a child or an adult returned a book late or lost it completely. You know, maybe they were evicted from their home and not allowed to retrieve their belongings. School librarians, this is especially important for you. Maybe it's a child of divorced parents and the book got lost or left at the non-custodial parents the weekend before. We, we just, we don't know. Maybe they had a car accident and it was destroyed or maybe their house burned down. I've seen all those things in my years as a librarian. Sometimes the user has no control over that, especially if they're a child. And we certainly don't want to be holding on to fines and denying borrowing privileges in perpetuity with children. Once, when I was a district librarian, and this this story hurts my heart, but when I was a district librarian, I was on site at a middle school, and I was training a new librarian to use our circulation system. A seventh-grade class came to the library, and a boy came to the desk with a book to check out. Now bear in mind, this is seventh grade. The librarian pulled up the student's record, and immediately a dialogue box popped up that said, Lost book in second grade do not allow checkouts. I'm just going to let that sink in a moment. This young man had been denied borrowing privileges for five years because at seven years old, he lost a library book. Not only was it a crime that the note had ever been added to that child's record, but no one in five years had bothered to remove it and had continued to blindly obey it. Well, the new librarian and I were both horrified, immediately deleted the note, and happily checked out the book to a very grateful and surprised student. Talk about scary librarians. We could have lost him as a reader forever. These policies of denying borrowing privileges to users with fines is especially egregious when viewed through a racial equity lens. As we know, our BIPOC communities are under-resourced more frequently than white communities. They are the ones most in need of the materials our libraries have to offer, and yet they're the users who have the least ability to pay fines and fees. Financially well-off patrons, who, let's be honest, are most often white, can pay those fines and fees and continue to enjoy full access to our libraries. It's those who need us most, who most need to embrace reading and literacy in order to improve their lives and strengthen our communities. They will suffer. Talk about scary librarians. We can do better. The other thing I have so often observed in all types of libraries is service point staff being at best indifferent and at worst downright rude when serving the public. Now, in all fairness to those staff members, it might be the 20th time that day they've had to remind a patron to wear a mask properly, or maybe that's the fifth class that day where kids were treating the library like a racetrack or maybe that staff member just found out that they're not getting raises again for the third year in a row. Many things could be impacting a staff member's emotional state. I know giving warm and welcoming public service is a heavy lift in those moments, and it's critical. It's still critical. And it's also possible that frontline staff especially those in the most junior positions, might never have been taught how to provide outstanding customer service. I mean, that's not like something we're born knowing how to do. And although some people do seem to be born with an innate ability, many of us have to be explicitly taught how to greet students and patrons with a smile and a kind word even when we don't feel good. We have to be told by onboarding managers that we need to sometimes walk around the desk and go to the patron rather than calling out instructions over a desk. There are many things critical to good service that have to be taught and, more importantly, modeled. So, if you're a library team leader, please pay attention to how your staff or maybe you yourself, are serving patrons. If you see a staff member who isn't practicing friendly customer service all the time, then you have some redirecting to do, some training to do. And the sooner you address it directly and kindly, the better it will be for you and your team member. Don't let that continue without a word of redirection. And then, of course, there's the stern-faced, shushing librarian. If you're still into telling patrons not to talk in the library, it might be time for you to consider another line of work. I mean that. And now, that's not to say that we should allow loud and disruptive behaviors in the library. No, we should not. But it does mean we need to recognize that libraries are as third spaces or places where people should be able to gather, collaborate, discuss, and maybe even laugh out loud, or at least once it's safe to do that again post-pandemic. Do we still need libraries to be quiet places? Yes, definitely, in some areas. We should always consider the needs of those who need quiet areas for reading and study and research and provide those. And we should provide those more collaborative, loud spaces for when that's the order of the day, especially when serving children and teens. Folks, the hushed, hallowed library spaces of the last century are no longer relevant in today's world. I urge you to seek the balance between noisy activity and quiet reading in your libraries and put your shusher away for good, please. So this year, unless you're planning on wearing your zombie costume to work on Halloween, make scary librarians a thing of the past by prioritizing the return of the readers as much as the books. Thanks so much for listening to Masterful Librarian Podcast. Please share the show with other librarians who also want to achieve greater relevance, meaning, and impact in a rapidly changing world. If you're listening on the Apple iTunes app, please review the show. Until next time, keep making a difference. Bye now.